السلام عليكم ياال رمضان مبارك كل عام وانتو وأهلكو وحبايبكو بألف ألف خير يا رب May Allah accept all of your fasts and prayers and good deeds of the month Alhamdulillah we are blessed to witness another Ramadan May we also be blessed to witness the end of this Ramadan Because wallah you never know This is technically the first official episode Because the other one was just an introduction slash trailer So Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Today, I would like to share 12 atypical Ramadan goals. Atypical or uncommon. These are goals that I don't see too commonly discussed on Muslim social media. These are goals that I, at some point, have set for myself throughout my lifetime. There are these sort of baseline goals for Ramadan, like praying all five prayers on time, praying more sunnah, doing taraweeh, reading more Qur'an. Absolutely, those are all must-dos. The ones that I'm going to share have a little bit more to do with character development and your character as a Muslim, working on how you think, how you focus, how you take up space in this world, and inshallah, by the end of Ramadan, being a better servant of Allah. Quick important note before we start, I am not encouraging you to do all of these, okay? These are goals that I have set for myself at one point in my lifetime, in my 30 years as a Muslim on this earth. Do not try to do all of them. Be self-aware. Pick however many you feel appropriate. Focus and excel on those. And inshallah, y'all will be able to either implement some of these goals or use them as jumping off points or inspiration to accomplish another goal of yours. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Goal number one, making dhikr an integral part of my day. So there are two kinds that I have focused on. One is the standard dhikr that you think of after you finish praying where you're sitting there and you're counting on your fingers saying subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah 33 times or however many times. There's that kind of dhikr that I try to do more of because I noticed that for me, my five daily prayers, the, the fard ones, the mandatory ones, act as my sort of like calibration throughout the day. So when I'm having a really hard time or I'm struggling with something or I'm really frustrated, I will go pray like Asur or Dhuhr and that will act as the time where I can sit there and reflect and say, okay, just relax. So hey, it's not that serious. This life is temporary. Our end goal here is to please Allah and make it to Jannah. And then I get back to my task, much more relaxed and calmed. But I have found that in between those prayers, because like right now, for example, there's three hours between Dhuhr and Asr, I find myself needing a little bit more calibration. So I will spend some time, for example, when I start my car, before playing Spotify or YouTube, I'll just spend a few minutes doing thicket. I'm like, okay, let me do a little, let me do some 33 subhanallahs, 33 alhamdulillahs, and 33 la ilaha illallahs. Just to recalibrate my brain, help me refocus and find my center as a Muslim. And then there's the other kind of thicket that I focused on. I've always admired how like old Palestinian grandmas and grandpas use du'a or use dhikr in pretty much every single conversation and every part of their day. So like throwing out a bismillah before they do anything or saying astaghfirullah anytime they hear something they don't like. It seems like they have this constant conversation with Allah. I've always admired that. And so one Ramadan, I told myself, I want to be like them. And so before I start literally anything, before I start my car, before I turn on my computer, before I open my journal, I say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Every time I finish a task, I finish a conversation, I say Alhamdulillah. Or even after I get home after a long day, when I sit down, instead of just like sighing, I'll say La ilaha illallah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. 
just how the Sethus of the world have taught us. I set this as a goal for myself last Ramadan because I really wanted to hone in on the idea of God consciousness and remembering Allah in anything and everything that I do and really focusing on the idea of taqwa. Not just remembering him when I am praying or when I need him, rather making him a part of my day. So that's number one, making dhikr an integral part of my day. Number two, tracking how I spend my downtime. So generally, I'm a pretty productive person. My struggle, though, is the time between two tasks. So say if I need to respond to my emails and then I need to start my laundry, I will finish my emails and then I will quote unquote lollygag and just like waste time and then be like, okay, I should go do my laundry now versus finishing my emails and then going to start my laundry. I found that I spent a lot of time transitioning between tasks and felt like I was wasting a lot of time just scrolling on social media or doing pointless things. I wanted to be more aware of how I spend my time, take more responsibility for my actions or my lack of actions. And so I tracked how much time I was wasting throughout my day, put it all together and use that time to praise Allah, to read more Quran, to pray more. It's holy month, a month where our actions and our good deeds are multiplied. I didn't want to spend that time just lollygagging around because I just think of the day of judgment when Allah asks me, how did you spend your Ramadan that one year? And according to the book, I just spent like three hours doing nothing, wasting my time and lollygagging when I could have spent that time reading more Quran. And this isn't to say that I try to fill every single moment of my day with a task or an objective. I still firmly believe in giving yourself breaks and giving yourself time to breathe and relax, but being more deliberate with your breaks and tasks. And so saying, okay, between these two tasks, I'm gonna give myself 15 minutes to just kind of relax and breathe, and then I'll go on to the next task. That's different from just like slowly transitioning from task to task. So tracking how I spend my downtime and then using that time to praise Allah. Goal number three, expressing gratitude to my loved ones. So I wanted to spend more time communicating to my family, to my friends, my, my loved ones, how much I care about them, how much I appreciate them. So this looked like maybe texting one of my friends, hey, by the way, I know this is random, but Ramadan Mubarak, I love you, I care about you, and I'm, I'm very thankful that Allah has put you in my life. I appreciate you. Or just randomly going and telling your parents, your siblings, that you love them, giving them a hug. Now, I know this is not easy for everyone because I think every family has their own culture and how they express love to one another. And I know that for my family specifically, we are really big on telling each other how much we love each other and expressing love and gratitude, but that might not be the case for everyone. So try to do this based on where you are right now. So if you're used to like never expressing love to your friends or your family, start small. Even if you have to do it through text, just do it. If you love someone, tell them how much you love them. Tell them how big of a space they have in your heart. One of my main inspirations for this goal was back in 2019 when I lost my dad. Allah yarhamu, may Allah widen his grave and fill it with barakah and rahmah. And then subhanAllah, after I lost him, we lost 
a handful of other relatives in my family after that. And one of the very few regrets that I have, because I don't have a lot of regrets in my life, I believe that, you know, we have a path that Allah puts us on and there's a reason for everything. But one of the regrets I do have is not communicating more how much I loved someone. I told my dad I loved him all the time, but a part of me wishes that I spent even more time telling him how much I cared about him, how much I valued him. You never know if you might be having the last conversation with your sibling, your parent, or your best friend. So tell them how much you care about them while you still can before it's too late. As we all know, a huge part of Ramadan is strengthening bonds and strengthening relationships with the people that you have around you all that love and support that you get from them is a blessing so thank allah and tell your loved ones that you love them goal number four practicing silence and i mean this in two ways silence for yourself and trying to minimize how often you speak as well as silence for your surroundings or your environment i noticed that after the covid quarantine I was very often stimulating my mind with some sort of like audio going on in the background or as my main focus. So I was either watching something, I either had Spotify playing in the background, even when I was doing tasks, like every time I started a task, I would play Spotify, play YouTube, podcast, play Quran, whatever it was, there was always a sound going on. And I noticed how that was affecting my ability to focus because whenever I wouldn't have any sound, my brain would be like, what is happening right now? I started feeling like I needed that in order to complete tasks, in order to do anything in my life. And I am not that kind of person. I do not like relying on anything other than Allah. And so I told myself, I need to learn how to just like be in silence and be okay with that. Or actually not learn, but relearn how to do it. Because before the COVID quarantine, I was fine doing that. I never felt that need. SubhanAllah, that was just one of the consequences for me personally of going through the quarantine. But Alhamdulillah, I worked through it. And I feel like now, now that I can sit in silence, I'm able to better focus on my thoughts and be more introspective, spend more time thinking about Allah, or just in general, be more focused when I'm thinking. And then in terms of being silent with how often I speak, and this one was actually really hard for me because I, I love talking, I love engaging with people, I love having conversations, and I'm half Palestinian and half Filipino, both very loud, both very talkative cultures. So this was really hard for me, but I remember hearing all the stories and the hadith and the sunnah of the Prophet and how he was extremely deliberate and intentional with every single word that came out of his mouth. And I wanted to be more like that. Because you know how sometimes after you finish a conversation with someone, you walk away or you go home and you just feel like, I have no idea what I just said. <laughs> just spoke for way too long. I would always have that feeling post-conversation. So I just wanted to be able to account for my words, account for the things that I said, and not feel that regret of, what did, what did I just say? Not being able to recall what you said because you said so much. So practicing silence to be a more intentional and more introspective and reflective Muslim. Goal number five, forgiving people who have wronged you. So this one I feel like is a pretty common one. But what was atypical was what the process of forgiveness looked like. I would always hear that Ramadan is a time for you to forgive people. And I just automatically assumed that that meant like day one of Ramadan, you forgive them and like you're done, you're good. Now, unfortunately, as much as I would try to do that, 
I did not feel like I was truly letting it go. I felt like something was still lingering. And so what I tried one Ramadan was not saying I'm going to forgive them day one of Ramadan, but I'm going to spend this whole month or maybe like 10 days within Ramadan to think about what happened and like process what happened, go through the emotions, whatever they may have been. And then by the end of that period, let's say like Eid or end of Ramadan, I'm going to forgive them and it's going to be done. Subject will be closed and it's in the past. Now, for me, the ultimate goal is to be the kind where I don't have to do all of that, where I can literally say, you know what? I forgive them for the sake of Allah and it's done. We're good. That's where I want to be as a Muslim. And inshallah, I will get there. But for now, I felt like I needed that time to process it and think through it, but still give myself like a deadline of like, okay, beyond this date, you can't keep thinking about this. You can't hold on to this anymore. You have to forgive them. In our faith, forgiveness is a huge part of how we engage with other people. And although that wasn't necessarily my strong suit, I did want to be able to slowly develop that skill of being able to forgive right then and there. Goal number six, learning how to focus better. I used to have the focus of a hawk. Okay, I used to be able to stick to one task and just go ham for hours, zero distractions. And then COVID came around. And during COVID, I focused on learning how to multitask because I, I wasn't really good at that. I wasn't good at juggling multiple things at one time. And I wanted to be better at that. Unfortunately, I got so good at multitasking that I got worse at focusing. <laughs> one task started bleeding into other tasks and that unfortunately even started affecting my ability to focus during Salah because I, I was just like thinking about everything else that I could be multitasking at. So I had to learn how to balance multitasking while still focusing on the one task at hand, especially when it came to Ramadan where I'm now fasting, I'm hungry, I have very low energy, and I'm also trying to multitask. It just was not working out for me. My brain fog was at like 120%. And so I really wanted to learn how to just like sit there and worry about one task at a time. And in order to implement this, I started giving myself little time blocks throughout the day. So if I, for example, needed to be working on, I don't know, a marketing campaign, I would spend 45 minutes just like 100% focused on just that and then give myself a 15 minute break or a five minute 10 minute break however much I needed start it back up and then focus for another 45 minutes or if it was a smaller project or task I would give myself like 30 minutes but in those 30 minutes or 45 minutes I had to focus on what I was doing I had my phone flipped down I wasn't looking at my notifications I didn't have sound playing in the background, I was just working on that one task. And alhamdulillah, once I got that going, I was able to focus much better while I was praying, while I was reading Quran, I wasn't worrying about my emails. I was better able to give my full and undivided attention to Allah when I was praying or performing any other ibadah or act of worship. Goal number seven, eating healthier food. I felt like when I was younger, I focused so much on the fact that I was not eating <laughs> throughout the day that when I was eating, I didn't really care about what I was putting into my system. And while that might have worked when I was younger, I'm not as young anymore. I am officially 30 and at one point I got a blood test for my annual checkup with my doctor and my doctor informed me that I don't have high cholesterol, alhamdulillah, but they did say it was a little bit higher than what they wanted it to be at. 
And obviously, I was like, oh my god, I have high cholesterol, خلاص, it's done, I, I'm done. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, it was still considered within a healthy range, but I I felt like crap. I was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm taking for granted the body and the health that Allah has given me, and I need to work on this. And so as soon as Ramadan hit, I was like, we're cleaning this diet. I mean, I'm fasting all day, so that's going to help a lot. But when I did break my fast, I had a balanced diet. I had my carbs, I had my vegetables and my proteins. I started eating a lot more fruit and nuts. I did not want to be the type of person that doesn't appreciate the health that Allah has given them. I cut down on fast food, on super oily foods, on sodas and super sugary drinks. Gone. We only get one body and I, on the Day of Judgment, want to be able to say that I tried my best to honor the body and the blessing that Allah had given me. Goal number eight, learning to pause before acting or speaking on my emotions. So I used to be the kind of person where if someone said something that hurt me or offended me and my initial reaction was like anger, frustration, or hurt or sadness, whatever it was, I would very often respond right away with those emotions. Sometimes I would say things that I did mean, but I would also sometimes say things that I did not mean and things that I was not able to take back. I would regret what I said or what I did, or maybe at least just wish I had spent a little bit more time <laughs> reflecting and thinking and not reacting like with whatever visceral emotion I felt inside. I did not want to be a puppet of my own emotions. I did not want my emotions to control me. I wanted to be able to control my emotions. And I would not say, for those of y'all who were like me, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily a bad thing. I feel like people often tag anger as a negative emotion. But I feel like now as an adult, that anger is only bad if you act upon it. Because there are some instances where it's a good thing. One of the reasons why I feel so compelled to talk about things like Palestine and what's happening in the world is because I feel an anger inside. I feel a frustration that I can't, I can't do anything to fix these problems. So what I can do is talk about it on social media. Or if I'm sitting with people and someone says something to defame or backbite another individual who's not there, I will jump to say something and defend that person and shut that down right then and there. Before, I used to do it with a lot more, <laughs> more anger, but now I'm able to control that anger, but you still use it for the right reasons. There are times where anger can be a source of good if you control it properly. I honestly would rather be the kind of person who has emotions but can control them versus someone who just has no no emotions no reactions to anything in this world so one ramadan i told myself i need to learn to take a pause think take a breath before i speak on my emotions i remember always being told stories when i was a kid about how the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam even when his worst enemies or when people were just yelling at him and scolding him, he kept his composure and he remained calm and he was able to convince people of the the truth and the beauty of Islam through that character trait. And I, I wanted to be more like that. Goal number nine, greeting loved ones and reestablishing relationships. One thing that my dad did, Allah yarhamah, I vividly remember when I was a kid, every Ramadan, this was in the 90s, by the way. So my millennial folks, y'all know what I'm talking about. Every Ramadan, my dad would take out his phone book, a book of 
all the people he knew and all their numbers and addresses. And he would call every single person in that phone book and greet them Ramadan Mubarak. And it would take him like hours to get through all of them. But he would spend that time, he would take that time out of his day to ask them how they are, ask about their family, ask what's new, and show them how important they were to him. And even with people whom he had arguments with or it had been a long time since they had last talked, he would call them and reestablish those relationships to make sure that they did not die out. And I used to think that was just like the coolest, most diplomatic thing <laughs> anybody could do. And I wanted to be like that. And subhanAllah, after my dad passed away, I told myself one Ramadan, I want to carry on that trait. I want to carry on that tradition within our family. Maintaining relationships with your family and your friends is a huge part of Ramadan and Islam in general. And I wanted to be better at that. So that Ramadan, day one, I went through my contacts on my phone and just greeted everybody. Whether it was a text or a voice note or a phone call or FaceTime, I wanted to make sure that we reconnected and bonded on this beautiful, beautiful month of Ramadan and, and just giving out love as much as I possibly can, the way that my dad taught me, the way that Islam taught me. And then even on Eid, after Salat al-Eid, when you go home and you take that little that little Eid nap afterwards before you have that dinner or that lunch with the family, go go through your rounds of greeting people Eid Mubarak. It does take a while and a lot of dedication, but there is so much barakah in that connection that you made with them. Goal number 10, perfect your prayers or perfect your ibadah. So I noticed at one point in my life that there were a lot of things I had learned when I was a kid, like how to pray. And I never checked in as an adult to make sure that I am doing it the right way or even learn about the why behind it. I never went back as an adult, looked at the things that I do and how I do them to make sure that I'm doing it the right way. Well, like when it comes to salah, the things that we say during salah, do I actually know what I'm saying? Am I pronouncing every single word correctly or at least trying my best to? Or when I make wudu, am I making wudu the proper way? Am I making ghusl the proper way? There are so many things that I learned when I was younger that I just didn't question when I got older. So one Ramadan, I wanted to spend my time just researching and asking you know, Muslim leaders questions regarding how I was practicing Islam. I found myself asking, do I actually know the rules of Fard prayers, the rules of sunnah, the rules of tahajjud, the rules of qiyam al-layl or istikhara. If at one point, inshallah, I have a child, am I able to explain to them the why, how, when, where's of salah or making wudu? So I looked into it, found that I was doing some things, not exactly how they're supposed to be done, but for the most part, alhamdulillah, I was set. It was mainly just like minor tweaks, but I did want to at least try to quote-unquote perfect my prayer. I pray these prayers five times a day on top of the sunnah prayers. Am I sure, 100% sure that I'm doing it the right way? Sometimes we get caught up in the habit or the routine of things that we, we forget to check in and ask ourselves, do we know what we're doing? And Ramadan is the perfect time to reevaluate. Goal number 11, giving charity every day of Ramadan. When I would think of donations during Ramadan, I would always think of them as just like a one-time clump or even maybe like a few clumps throughout Ramadan. I don't know why, but that's just how it was done for me. But one Ramadan, I wanted to make the concept of charity a daily act for me. 
and it become part of my daily ibadah during Ramadan. I did not want the concept of giving to be something that like I'm building up to or I'm working up to. I do want to get deeper into this topic on another episode, but for now to kind of just run through it. When I was younger, me and my family struggled financially. My parents had recently emigrated to this country, technically as refugees of war. We struggled financially, I'd say, for the majority of my childhood. My parents, may Allah bless them and their efforts, they worked extremely hard to support us and make sure that we had a shelter and food and love and education and everything that we needed to succeed in this country. Alhamdulillah, Allah blessed us and we were able to eventually move past that part of our life and no longer struggle as much as we did when we were younger. But the concept of charity when I was younger was very, very different from the concept of charity for me now as an adult. When I was younger, we were technically within the income bracket of people who actually needed the charity. When I was in college, for the most part, my tuition was actually free because my family was considered low income. So I received a lot of grants and a lot of scholarship money to pay for my tuition. And it actually wasn't until more recently, I'd say like within the past few years, that we moved past that point in our lives. And so for me, there was a shift at one point of being the person who needed help to being the person who helps. And obviously when we were struggling financially, we still donated to charity no matter what. My dad, Allah always emphasized the importance of giving for the sake of Allah and understanding that rizq, like your sustenance that Allah has given you, will not change based on how much you give. All the money that you do make comes from Allah. So giving it away is only going to be to your own benefit. So we would still give charity and donate however much we could afford to donate. But when I got older and that changed, I had to relearn this idea of charity and how to apply it to my day-to-day -day life now that Allah has given me more opportunity financially and I'm now able to help even more people. So I wanted to spend one Ramadan just giving every single day. And there's actually this company, a website, a Muslim-owned company called Launch Good, and they have this program during Ramadan where you can set up daily donations for the entire month of Ramadan. I thought that was a really beautiful concept and it, it genuinely changed my view of charity. It is literally one of the five pillars of Islam. So if we are able to make it a part of our daily routine, we should definitely take that opportunity, inshallah. And then finally, number 12, improving my relationship with the Quran in all aspects. Now, reading more Quran during Ramadan isn't something new. <laughs> we all do it. But I wanted to point out the different ways of improving your relationship with the Quran. And it mainly breaks down by either reading the Quran or understanding the Quran. So when I was younger, I didn't read or understand Arabi as well as I do now, alhamdulillah. So back then when I would read Quran, quote unquote, I would generally read the English translation during Ramadan. At that time, I wished I was able to read and understand the Arabi, but I wasn't there yet. And so I, I worked with what I had and I would read the English translation, read the tafsir, the, the explanation behind the, the surahs and get a better understanding of the Quran itself, of the surahs and the chapters themselves. And then as I got older and I improved on my Arabi, I was able to say, okay, I've read the Quran in its English translation. Now let's focus on reading the Quran in Arabi and improving my ability to read in its original language. But then I spent Ramadan just reading the Arabi. As slow as it was, I just focused on reading it. I wasn't focused on understanding it. I just wanted to be able to 
get the hang of reading the letters out loud. And one Ramadan, I did both. I would read the English translation and then read it in Arabic and then connect the meaning and the words. Or you could spend another Ramadan focusing on the grammar and the language of Arabic. So it does help to understand that there are different ways to approach the Qur'an. For this Ramadan, I am focusing on the tajweed, on the pronunciation of the letters and the diction and making sure that when I'm reciting it, I'm reciting it how it should be recited. So based on where you are in regards to the Arabi language, there are different ways to approach the Qur'an. I mean, ideally, the best situation would be that we can read Arabi and understand the Qur'an in its original language. Inshallah, inshallah, one day. But that's not gonna happen overnight. So it'd be really beneficial to use Ramadan as a time to build that that relationship with the Qur'an and your relationship with the Arabic language. Imagine going to Tarawih and understanding everything that the Qari is reciting. How beautiful and moving would that be? Inshallah, we are all able to attain that status one day. Ya Allah. So that is all 12 goals that I wanted to share with you guys. Inshallah, you guys are able to benefit in some way. Even if one of y'all benefit, I will have done my job, alhamdulillah. I ask that Allah purifies my intentions with this this episode because honestly one thing that did hold me back from sharing these things was recognizing that I would have to talk about my experiences and my goals building my relationship with Allah and generally I don't talk about those things publicly for me that's a very private thing because I don't want my intentions to come from me gloating or saying look what I've done as a Muslim so you should do it too I generally keep these things to myself and just between me and Allah because I want to honor and protect the intention behind why I did it. And I often get scared if I publicize it, I might have ruined the intention behind it. But if I'm able to help fellow Muslims out there grow during Ramadan, I do want to do my part. So my solution was sharing with you guys in the name of Allah and praying that Allah purifies my intentions and why I'm sharing it with y'all. In terms of implementing these goals and objectives, I do want to offer two different ways that I've approached them. So I think sometimes when we think of goals, we think of working on it the entire month of Ramadan or working on like three goals from the beginning to the end, working on each every single day. But one thing I started doing two Ramadans ago was actually staggering my goals. So working on one goal hardcore for like 10 days, the next goal for the next 10 days, and then the last goal for the last 10 days. That was when I was going through my focus period. So I wanted to be able to like just sit on one goal and just nail it. I hope you guys are having a smooth and easy and beneficial Ramadan. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. And I will see y'all in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum.